A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, no more will you weep. He will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. No longer will your teacher hide himself, but with your own eyes you will see your teacher, while from behind a voice shall sound in your ears. This is the way, walk in it, when you would turn to the right or to the left. He will give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground, and the wheat that the soil produces will be rich and abundant. On that day, your flock will be given pasture, and the lamb will graze in spacious meadows, and the oxen and the asses that will till the ground will eat silage tossed to them with shovel and pitchfork. Upon every high mountain and lofty hill, there will be streams of running water, and the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fall, the light of the moon will be like that of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times greater, like the light of the seven days. On the day the Lord binds up the wounds of his people, he will heal the bruises left by his blows. The word of the Lord. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing praise to our God, for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. The dispersed of Israel he gathers. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly, the wicked he casts to the ground. Dominus vobiscus, et Evangelium. Glory 
Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his, his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these 12 after instructing them thus, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost, you have received. Without cost, you are to give. Febum Domini, Perhaps it might be a good practice for Catholics to read the entire Bible, to make it a, a habit to read the Bible every few years or so. Simply by attending Mass on Sundays and even daily Mass or watching Mass on EWTN exposes us to almost the, the whole Bible within a span of two or three years. And I've found that every time I take up this task with the help of the Holy Spirit, I pick up on new details and insights that I had not noticed before. And while the scriptures are often very familiar to us, we, since we listen to them read over and over again, it's important to remember that we are listening to the word of God. And we could go through an entire lifetime and still draw fresh new insights that we had not previously considered. After all, the scriptures offer us a window through which we, we catch glimpses of our just, loving, merciful God as our minds struggle to comprehend his all-encompassing plan of creation, redemption, and sanctification. I mean, it's a tall order for us finite human beings to do. The economy of salvation is a mystery that continues to unfold for those who approach it with the eyes of faith. And this plan of salvation has not only unfolded for us throughout the ages until the present day and even beyond, but we can even perceive the developments of this plan within the scriptures themselves. Of course, the greatest source of revelation concerning God himself is found in the incarnation of the Son of God. Throughout the Old Testament, it is difficult for the people of God to be able to formulate a satisfactory concept of God. Human beings ordinarily generate concepts through the data that comes from our five senses. And it's easy for us to conceptualize certain things in nature because we can see, smell, hear, taste, or touch them. So when I say the word rabbit, we can easily conjure up a mental image of, an, of a rabbit because most of us have seen one before. We know how they ordinarily behave because we've been able to observe their behavior 
in their natural habitat. However, it is much more difficult to have a mental image or a concept of God. The people of Israel had to resist the tendency of the, of the Gentile nations around them to fashion images of God in the form of various animals or even human beings. Any, any conception of God as a physical material being would have fallen far short of the reality of the one true God. And yet the situation changes drastically with the advent of Christ and the wonderful reality of the incarnation. Since Jesus Christ is true God and true man, we now have a person, a face, that we can conceptualize when we think of God. Jesus himself, the Son of God, is the physical icon of God the Father. When we look upon and contemplate the face of Christ, we are contemplating the face of the Father. And so it naturally follows that all the thoughts, words, and actions of Jesus are those of God himself. When we see Jesus, we are seeing God. Whereas the ancient people of Israel in the Old Testament would not have had the privilege of looking upon the face of God in Jesus Christ and seeing how God himself behaves towards his people, especially the poor and those in most need of his mercy, the disciples of the New Test in the New Testament are blessed to witness with this with their own eyes. And it's particularly interesting how Matthew mentions in today's gospel reading that as Jesus is ministering to various towns and villages, he looks upon the crowds gathered before him, and Matthew says that his heart is moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Here we see in Jesus a God who truly loves his flock. When he sees the suffering and confusion of his people, he does not remain indifferent. Our Lord's overriding desire is to be there for his people and to save them from this miserable condition of sin and confusion. He does not ignore or overlook the suffering of his people. And this should not only be a comforting thought for us, the fact that Jesus is not oblivious to our suffering and has pity on us, but this should also pose as a challenge for us. If our Lord is so moved with pity for the suffering of others, how attentive should we also be to their suffering? Do we look upon our neighbor and recognize his struggles, his pain, and his hardships? Do we take action to try to alleviate the sufferings of others? Or do we at least help them to bear their burdens if it is impossible to alleviate them entirely? When Jesus takes pity upon his people, he does not simply offer them thoughts and prayers, nor does he simply help the people by himself. Instead, he instructs his disciples to pray. As he says, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. But then he answers their prayers by sending out his disciples to be active participants in the ministry 
of healing and in pro proclaiming the message of the gospel. So yes, we are called to pray for people who are suffering in many ways and to offer sacrifices for them. But we should also do what is in our power to help those for whom we pray. We are called to imitate the actions of Jesus Christ, who is not only moved with pity for his people, but he also does something. He also he heals them and appoints his disciples to participate in his healing ministry. The disciples become, in a sense, the answer to their own prayers. They become extensions of Christ himself as members of his mystical body. Our Lord's most sacred heart is moved with pity for all people who are suffering and oppressed, especially for the people of poorer nations who are sometimes made to suffer at the hands of wealthier, more powerful nations. The saint whose feast we celebrate today, Saint Juan Diego, was an indigenous man who, received, who was received into the Catholic Church much later in life at age 50. And at the time, the Spanish missionaries who had come over to the Americas had encountered significant difficulties in evangelizing the native tribes due to the horrific treatment that they had suffered at the hands of the conquistadors. The missionaries appealed to the Holy Father and even to the King of Spain to do something to address the behavior of the conquistadors. They had even requested that the Pope issue an instruction that showed how the native people, just like any other human being, had rational souls, since they had not been treated with the same human dignity as other people. Unfortunately, this instruction would not come until nearly a decade later. And so it was in this dire situation that St. Juan Diego received the apparitions and the messages of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And the image that has been supernaturally impressed upon Juan Diego's tilma, and which is still visible to this day at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, depicts a beautiful lady whose appearance resembles that of an indigenous person. And we could say that Our Lady looked upon the suffering of the indigenous people and was so moved with pity that she herself took action. She selected the humble Juan Diego to be her disciple and her messenger to the bishop. And as it turns out, the, the apparitions of Our Lady and her image on the tilma changed the course of church history in Mexico. Previously, the natives had been resistant to entering the church prior to the appearance of Our Lady of Guadalupe. However, within the first few years after the apparitions, more than 100,000 indigenous people were baptized. They could see for themselves how much Our Lady truly loved them and how much she desired their salvation. And so may we also be inspired by the humble obedience of St. Juan Diego and participate in the work of salvation to which God has called us so that we might show forth the merciful, compassionate face of Jesus who is moved with pity for his people.